Hey everybody, I'm Sean Rosensteel, author of The School of Intentional Living and host of Authorized, where authors go live to reveal their insights, stories, and best lessons from their most recent works. Thanks so much for listening and enjoy this week's episode. So I'm excited to be here with Jill Young today, author of The Earning Advantage, Eight Tools You Need to Get Paid the Money You Want. Jill, welcome to the show today. Hi. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited. Yeah, me too. Me too. All right. So I recently read your book. It's awesome. I want to tell you about this exit interview I once had with an employee. So I'll wait to get there because I wish I had this book. But tell me a little bit about why you wrote this book. Sure. Well, as I have been working with leadership teams, and at the time I wrote the book, um, I had been working with leadership teams for a few years at that point. And what I noticed is as we started to improve the company and really clarify the seats in the company and the roles in the company, um, they started to roll these tools out and this clarity out into the rest of the company. And uh, as they did that, they found that a lot of the employees were coming to the bosses and asking for a raise. They were saying, well, you know, I think I have to do more in the company now. And so I think I deserve a raise. So my clients were looking for a tool. How do we really help our employees understand that in order to make more money, personal money in your paycheck, you need to add additional value. You need to really become a producer. So that's why I kind of set to work um, creating that tool for them because they really were stuck. When, when employees came to the bosses and asked for a raise, the bosses just felt really anxious and they felt kind of held hostage. They didn't really know what to say. They didn't have an approach. They didn't have something um, to really enroll that employee in being on their same team and really helping uh, everybody fight for the greater good, really. So that's that's why I wrote the book. Cool. Yeah, it's neat because I can see this book being so valuable for, for both the employer and the employee, right? I mean, I think it was written for the employee. I found a ton of value in it. But I also could see this being a great book for the employer to hand to their people. That's right. In fact, that's why I wrote the book. I really wrote it for bosses, but it's written to the employee. In fact, it always messes up anybody who helps me with marketing or publishing. They're like, now who's your audience again? Right. <laughs> that was probably, uh, you know, hindsight. Uh, this was my very first book. Hindsight, I've had many conversations with strategists saying, that was a really weird thing to do, but it, but I did it and and it's out there. And, and it worked. It. Yeah. Yeah. And it worked. That's awesome. So you recently went through a you, you recently re republished it. Is that right? I did. Yes. <laughs> Originally, the book was titled Earn It. So if anybody has read the book, Earn It, you're like, oh, this is the same. This is the same book. Yes, it's essentially the same book. But as with anything in life, the first time you try, Sometimes it's not your prettiest version. In fact, Sean, just before this, as we were rehearsing, uh, we talked about that, that the, the first version is sometimes sure. crap. <laughs> now, earn it was not crap, but there were definitely things that I learned from publishing my second and third book that I went back and just changed a few little things. Uh, that also came with a new title, 
we've now put all of the books in a series. So it's called the Advantage series, but, but Earn It and now the Earning Advantage, the revamp of it is near and dear to my heart because it's the first, right? It's sure. the first one. It's a freshman attempt. It's your baby, right? Right. It's my baby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I read the first version and I can tell you that it's not crap. For the record, I loved it. I thought it was great. So well, let's stay on from that topic for a minute and talk about the boss's mindset, because I think that was important. Right in the onsite, uh, right in the opening, you, you had some information about trying to help the employee understand the boss's mindset. So can you embellish on that a little bit? Sure. You know, there's there's not another book out there that really has a goal of bringing the employees and the bosses together to really get them on the same page. And what we know in just business life is that to the degree that we are on the same page, in the same boat, all rowing in the same direction, things just move forward faster. So there's in, in the book, about half of it uh, is really about mindset. In fact, Sean, that's how I teach most of my courses. It's how I do all of my leadership team coaching is we first start with mindset. So I that was fun for you to ask me, uh, you know, a little bit more about this boss's mindset because I'm really helping the employee see into the mind of their boss. And it's, it's a little bit of a myth out there. Um, it's a little bit of a myth that the boss knows everything and guess what? Careful what you wish for. It's a bit of a hot mess in there, isn't it? Usually. <laughs> a bit of a hot mess. And really, like, how do I know that it's a bit of a hot mess inside a boss's mindset? Well, I coach bosses all day long. This is what I do. I don't coach employees. I coach the leadership team. So I get to see what's inside their, their head. And then I've taken all of that and I've distilled it into a handful of mindsets for the employees to really understand what's going on in your boss's mind. Because yeah. even the bosses I coach, they say one thing and they think another. And we're working on that. So if you're an employee out there who is frustrated with your boss, just know that I'm working with your bosses too. <laughs> but here's, uh, here's just a couple of them, you know, just to, just to give you guys some insight right away. Uh, your boss really, really, really wants to promote you. They really do. Think about this for a little bit. They have a choice. So as the company is growing and building, which those are the only kind of companies I work with. So disclaimer, if you're working for a company that's stagnant and hates growth and learning, this is probably not going to work for you. But if you're working for an entrepreneurial company who's learning and growing all the time, one of the things we do is we create seats all the time when i'm working with leadership teams we ask ourselves do we need to hire anybody this quarter most of the time it's yes so we create seats within the company and the very first thing i ask is is there anyone working in the company right now who could elevate and take this seat and it's really really sad when the bosses say no hmm. so one of the things that i'm teaching through the book is really preparing you the employee on how to be that person who's ready to take that next promotion sure. so your boss wants to promote you and just one other little thing about this mindset think about it if you were the boss who is easier to move into this brand new seat that we've never had before somebody who already knows the culture and processes and people at the company 
or somebody that we need to bring in from the outside who has no idea of the culture and they're totally going to need to get acclimated. Well, obviously, our first choice is to promote. So that's what my bosses want to do. So the book is really helping you then become that person who's ripe for that promotion. But a lot of employees think, eh, my boss doesn't want to promote me. My boss is afraid of me taking their job. And just wipe that out. It's a myth. Your boss needs you to do more. Absolutely. That's awesome. Yeah, it's one of those things too, Jill, where it's like, you know, what you focus on, you'll find. So if you're sitting there in your role, repeating in your head over and over, your mindset is my boss will never promote me. You're, you'll probably find that to be true. You you if will. That mindset, right? And yes. if you say my boss wants to promote me, I just need to figure out how, you'll start to be thinking through a whole different line of strategy, right? Absolutely. And Sean, you brought something up and I'm probably answering a question that you haven't asked yet, but it's kind of deeper in the book. It's really about, uh, you said, you know, when we say those things or think those things to ourselves, that's kind of what we're looking for. A, a large part of the purpose of the book is to give you, the employee, the words to use with your boss. Because a lot of us, a lot of us, bosses and employees, both we're assuming things sure we're assuming things so there's a story in the book that that i i would like to share it's back from my uh, previous life as a career counselor when i was working with a client and he had just been passed over for a promotion and i asked him a simple question i said did your boss know that you wanted that promotion and he said well of course he knew hmm. And I asked him, I said, will you please tell me the exact words you used that make you think your boss knew you wanted that promotion? And he had to think about it for a while. And he goes, well, no, I just, I always say things like, boss, you know, you can count on me, right? Or yeah, I got that. Yeah, I'll, I'll do whatever you need me to do. I, I'm here for you. And I said, okay, so did you ever say, boss, I want to make more money? Did you ever say, boss, I want to take that vice presidency? Did you ever say that out loud? And he goes, well, nobody would say it out loud. That's just ridiculous. Is it though? <laughs> Is it ridiculous? Right. How, how did those results work out for you? So we go around with a lot of assumptions that we think we know what's on our boss's mind when we, when we really don't. Sure. So it's, it's basically planning the seed. It's like Inception, Jill. You're teaching Inception. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, Sean, this is so funny that you just said Inception because I just turned in the manuscript for my third book, The Thinking Advantage, and in it, the editor and I were going back and forth, back and forth because I've got, I've got four steps, but within the four steps, I've got another four steps, and within those four steps, I got another four steps. He's like, dude, this is Inception. <laughs> You're like taking people deep. You got to bring them back out yeah. again. That's and awesome. We don't know Hilarious. where we are. <laughs> Hilarious. That was fun. All right. So you've got a toolbox. It's very simple, very straightforward, which I appreciate. So the subtitle, Eight Tools, right? Yes. So tell me a little bit about these tools, because there's the, the I think the, the real meat of the book are these four compartments, right? And then within each compartment, you have two tools. That's so right. That inception, that's kind of your style. I guess we're figuring yeah. out about you now. It is, uh, Sean. One of my one of my talents that I, I maybe was just born with, and now I'm trying to cultivate is I'm a simplifier. 
I like to take complex information that nobody can quite put their finger on it. And I just kind of distill it to four simple steps. Yep. <laughs> and sometimes it's not so simple and I got to make it even more simple. <laughs> but that's how, that's how I like to organize. And I've just found it's a really great way to communicate and keep people's brains um, keep people's brains organized too. So yes, there's eight tools that you need to get paid the money you want, but you're right, they're in four compartments. So it's probably best for us to go over the four compartments today. That's the highest level. Great, yeah. Um, and the tools, you know, the other way I also like to work, somebody said the other day, Jill, the book, the earning advantage isn't really a book. And I went, oh, oops, <laughs> what? <laughs> I thought it was a book. It's not really a book. It's more like a course or it's more like a workshop written in a book. So those tools, um, you know, if you if you want to browse the tools, the tools are really they're engaging your brain and you got to work. Right. <laughs> always asking you, always asking you to work. Right. But compartments, the compartments are very simple. The first compartment is that we really need to, um, as employees, the first thing we want to do, again, to eventually get paid the money we want, is to see the company in a different light. A lot of times we go into the company, and I've been an employee before, so I know this. We go into the company and we see the company through our very own filter, just my own filter. Where do I sit? Who do I work with? What are my tasks every day? How do I get paid? How much do I get paid? Who's my boss? And so in this first compartment, what I do for you is I really help you elevate how you're seeing the company. So if you're working in manufacturing, I ask you to just look and see what's going on in marketing. And if you're in marketing, I ask you to just look and see what's going on in finance so that you can really see the company as a bigger as a bigger picture perspective perspective absolutely just kind of elevate yourself maybe step back you know act like you're in that hot air balloon and you're just going to see the company from a different picture because when you do you'll start to get clues as to what's important to the company mm -hmm. here's what i hear a lot of times for employees and what i heard a lot when i was a career counselor is I work so hard. I should totally make more money than this. Mm. And what's happening is your version of working hard, unfortunately, if you're still making this money and you want to make this money, is just not as valuable to the company as it is if you would work hard in a different way. And I'm sorry if that sounds harsh. If you come home sweaty all day and you're like, how could I work harder than this? It's probably just because you're working on the wrong things. Hmm. As you elevate yourself to look around the company as a whole, you're going to start to see, oh, the way I pack that box is part of the customer experience. So if I slow down packing the boxes and have a better quality box, that's more important to my boss than an extra box packed per hour. But we have to elevate ourselves. We have to see it. That's the compartment. See it different, right. both at a high level and from some measurable levels as well. Cool. Okay. So that's compartment one. See it. Compartment one. Compartment two. So compartment two. So we always need to see things differently in order to do things differently. So compartment one sets you up for just observing. So I'll walk you through some tools that really you're not doing much <laughs> in, in the see it compartment. What you're really doing is just observing. 
seeing it from a higher level. Hmm. So the next thing that we're going to do in compartment number two is now we need to learn how to say it. So we've observed a whole bunch of things, but just like we talked about, now we need to verbalize what's on our mind. We need to see, uh, say things that we're observing. So the, a, a couple of tools that we use right there is number one, just to have that mindset and language that help you get on the same page with your boss. And right now, I've, I'm going to give you just a, a quick little sentence that you guys can use right now. You don't even need to buy the book or do the tools. But here's a quick little sentence for you. Think about this formula. Open plus honest plus offer. That's what makes a happy boss. So when you go to your boss, let's say that you have observed, let's say that you've observed that there's, there's an excess amount of waste coming off uh, the manufacturing line. So you go to your boss and you are just open-minded and you say, hey boss, what I have noticed is that there is some excess waste coming off the manufacturing line. So you're just honest, right? You were open, you saw it, you're honest. And then you just ask, it's an offer, would it be helpful if I found a way to decrease that waste? You're not saying you should decrease the waste. You're not, uh, you're not threatening your boss, calling her an idiot for, for letting all this waste go. You're just inquiring with an open mind. Would this be helpful? So there's little sentences like that that I teach you throughout the book that are really going to help you say it in the right way versus... We sure do have a lot of waste coming off that line. It sounds like you're helping the employee become a coach by asking Ooh. better questions, <laughs> right? Interesting. Isn't yeah. that true? <laughs> absolutely true. Cool. I, I love um, it. I, I wrote an article the other day that really where I, I, I'm letting the cat out of the bag. At the very end of the book, I just... I just sneak in a little bit here for you guys, the employees, that if you like these tools and if the tools have worked for you, you might be ready to have a leadership role. And I, I'm super passionate about coaching being a part of, of leadership. So you're right. Yeah, I love it. Okay. You can see me right through my tricks. <laughs> well, I'm just doing compartment one here. I'm practicing the see coach. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So see it, say it. So what's compartment three? Yep. Uh, I'll, I got to say one more thing about say it in the say it compartment. I also give you the exact formula for asking for the race. So there are the exact words. I've seen them work over and over and over again. They are not instantaneous, but there's an absolute formula for that one as well. You need to charge yeah. more for this book, Jill. <laughs> it's my gift. It's my gift. It's my gift to humanity everywhere. The more we all be on the same page, the more companies are going to roll forward. We're all going to benefit. I love it. I love it. So now let's go to the next one. So the third compartment is solve it. See it, say it, solve it, serve. That's the fourth one. So solve it is all about becoming that that human, that employee in the company that knows how to solve issues. So you've heard this said before, bosses will say, don't come to me with a problem unless you have a solution. So I actually train bosses not to say that because it actually turns the employees off and it triggers our cortisol and all of that. But that's kind of that. It, it's still the mentality what we want. 
is we want people in the company, bosses want people in the company who can solve things. So through in this compartment, I actually teach you a method for solving issues. I teach you how to identify issues, how to discuss the issues around with your peers and your boss, and maybe with people from other departments and really move those solutions forward. What happens in most companies as employees, we just discuss problems, but we never want to, we never do anything about it. And here's why we think to ourselves, maybe even if it's subconscious, that's not my job. It's not my job to solve the issues. Well, here's the secret. And if you learn, if you take nothing else away from this, take this. If you want to make more money, be a problem solver, whether it's your job or not. The more you are seen as a problem solver, the higher your value goes in the company. So that working hard that you're doing all day, ask yourself, wait, am I just doing the same thing every day, producing the same results? Or am I really being a catalyst for problem solving? And if you are, you're on your way. So that's the third, that's the third component. Love that. Yeah, I love that. Does this work for kids? <laughs> you know, like a, a children edition to this? That's a good idea. A children's edition. Well, I do have to say, I, I cut my teeth in business by being raised by an entrepreneurial family and our business was childcare. So I, wow. say, I say to my teens all the time, I'm like, you know, you can't teach an old dog new tricks sometimes. So if I feel like a preschool teacher to you, it's because I am. <laughs> right? I I am. So sometimes I find myself. So, you know, I don't know. I probably I probably snuck some child development, child psychology. And, Maybe. and well. you know, the, the, you know the, the very fact that I'm answering that or asking that means that there may be a failure in leadership in my own household. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we need some help first, right? We got to roll them out of the way a little better. I think parenting is so unpredictable. I, as my children have grown and they've had issues, and I've uh, it left left one of them in jail, right? Like ah, you know, you just have all of these ups and downs, and you're thinking, am I being a good parent? What I've what I've learned is just that for me anyway, there's just no pattern other than. I just need to stay connected with my kiddos. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> if I can stay connected, if we can keep that open, honest communication going, we can solve almost anything. Oh, but that's, uh, yeah, uh, it's uh, an experiment every day. Right? Yeah, it really is. Your <laughs> children are older than mine, but I, I've come to the conclusion that my kids are like little enigma machines. <laughs> every, every 25, you know, every 24 hours they reset. So like I might be able to figure it out tonight, but that same strategy won't even come close to working the next day. You know, like that that changes true. every night. So. Oh, that is the truth. That is the truth. We are way off topic here. Let's get oh, back. Right. So, it's all fun. It's all fun. <laughs> so solve it is the third compartment. So give right. me a brief overview of the fourth compartment. I think you spoiled it a few minutes ago. Okay. With serve. It's serve. It's serve and the big, there's, there's a handful of tools in there that will really help you be, um, have more of a serving mindset. And what's really powerful here is the distinction between having a serving mindset 
and a pleasing mindset. And this kind of wraps all of the tools into a nice little tidy bow, because when you uh, when you have found when you have figured out a way to see the company in a different way and uh, solve things in the company a different way, and you've mastered the language to really say things well for good communication, what happens is you start noticing that you are now producing at a really high level. And the only way for you to produce even more than that is to work longer hours. And guess what? That's just like, that's sometimes just out of the question. We have a finite amount of hours in our day. So the serving compartment really teaches the employee and everybody who's reading the book to create in themselves an exponential unit of productivity. This is really where you start to coach other people, where you start to teach other people the tools and you stop because a lot of us have this just ingrained in us from childhood. You stop having a pleasing mindset. The pleasing mindset is where you just say things to make people happy. The pleasing mindset is to just where you you do things to make people happy. The serving mindset is more of I'm going to tell you the truth, Sean, because I really, really am invested in your growth and it might hurt, but we're going to do that together. So this is where I'm really starting to build those leaders and like you said, plant some seeds for people who are on the front lines, people who um, have maybe never thought about themselves as a boss or leader. And maybe they get the bug and they're like, wait a minute, I like this serving stuff. I, I do care about people. I do want them to grow. I like being a coach. So I'm trying to create additional leaders to run additional companies. I love that. I love that. And that was a big aha, big takeaway, a big golden nugget for me was that serving versus pleasing, because that's not that's not only sound practice in the workplace. That's just good relationship practice 101. Um, so I think you could take that and apply that in any area of your life as it pertains to your connections. That's right. right. That's right. Yep. Just having that open, honest, very caring approach, but caring in a really deep way, not just a superficial, I want to make everybody happy way. Right. And that was a big mindset change for me. Uh, in fact, I share the story in the book because I was raised as a pleaser. My, my dad literally said, if you can just please people, you'll always be happy. You'll always be successful. So I'm just like pleasing people, pleasing people. And I had you to go change that one word to serve. You yeah. did fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously he did the right things, right? Uh, so tell me about that. You were raised, it's funny, as I was reading that, I was like raised by, they're gonna say like raised by wolves, you know. <laughs> and you may have been if they were entrepreneurs, right? That's so right. Tell me a little bit about growing up in an entrepreneurial household. You and I share that in common. We've talked about it before, but Tell the audience a little bit about what that was like. Well, Sean, we do have so much in common because we were both the fourth child, youngest child, and here's just a secret, we were both accidents. Right? Well, my dad likes to tell me that I was a pleasant surprise, but I That's always knew better. That's adorable. <laughs> my mom likes to tell me she had it planned. It's just my dad who didn't have oh, it. Oh, there you go. There you I'm like, for sure, mom. Sneaky, yeah. I'm the youngest by 10 years. Yeah, there you so go. You got me beat by two years. There yeah. you go. I just don't, I don't believe it, but I'm happy I'm here. So if you have that kind of mindset, right, have that picture. I grew up really in a house full of five adults, if you will, right? Five adults who were, they all, they were all busy with their lives. 
And, you know, as I had my third child, I kind of got it. It's like, oh, this this third child, we just kind of plug them in and keep, right. keep going with our lives. It's not really a big event. Yeah. And I love you, Dylan. Yeah. <laughs> and it was also an accident. I so. love you, Dylan, and I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, and I'm sorry. So that that's what my life looked like, is I just got to observe all of these adults running around. That's kind of why I call it the wolves, right? I just kind of started running with running with the pack. And the family really worked together too at the at the child care centers. That's what we had. In fact, my sister still has one of the child care centers. So it's fun to go back and look at what we did in the early years that's still, you know, still alive, you know, 20 years later. Wow. But a couple of highlights from that. Um, and really, it, you know, a big influence in the book is for a long time, I, I never had, I was never raised with an employee mindset. Um, you know, sometimes people describe the employee mindset as I am, I am owed this, I'm going to work. And then the employer owes me things. I was raised as an entrepreneur's child. So I don't, I don't know what that feels like. We always were battling um, for profit and there were always problems to be solved. That's just kind of my mindset. I was, uh, I did get started. Uh, Dad did put me on the payroll when I was eight years old. And I was very proud of that. One one summer, I got a paycheck. I made sixty cents an hour, and I got a paycheck for sixty dollars in wow. a two-week time period. So you know, if you calculate that, I worked a hundred hours in two weeks. Wow! And I was eight. Now you know, I'm feeling pretty proud of myself as an eight-year-old making sixty bucks. You know, in two weeks. You know, fast forward a couple of decades, and I realized that that was a tax strategy of dads to put me on the payroll. Nice. Like, great. What were but, you doing at eight years old? What was your role at eight? Anything I was told. I was sweeping, taking out garbages, setting out snacks, and setting out the art supplies. Um, yeah, all, all kinds of things. Running around, holding a baby, singing songs with the two-year-olds. Uh, you name it, I was I was doing wow. it. Wow, that's very cool. So you've kind of got that DNA going in your blood. It, it's it's there, it's there, and I can't shut it off. That, yeah. That's who I am. That's awesome, that's awesome. All right, so one of the things you did, getting back to the book here, is you put an implementation guide, and I, I'm so thankful for that because I love the self-improvement genre, the leadership, entrepreneurship, you know, business genre, and so many of these, authors at times, you know, I want them to put something, just give me a takeaway, give me some training wheels, give me a, some sort of a map that I can use versus I have to go through this and create my own map. So I was so grateful that you put that implementation guide in the back. Now it's a six week implementation guide. Right. Is that kind of what you see works well? You know, why isn't it two weeks or, you know, seven days or 60 days? What's up with the six weeks? Is that... Yeah. So the six weeks, there's a couple of reasons why it's six weeks. Um, the first reason is six weeks is short enough that you know that you've got to get started right away. And you can kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel. Hmm. Uh, it's also six weeks because you, the employee, are not the only one in this process. You've got to use the words and the patience. And the thinking, you need time to think and observe, but you also need to enroll your boss in this process too. One of the things you'll find 
is that one of the one of the tools that I give you, the tool is called the talk. Um, it's all about how to ask for that raise, but it really comes in two parts. The first part is just where you open the discussion and you really ask the boss in order for me to make more money. What can I do for you? How you tell me, I have some thoughts, but you boss tell me, how do you want me to work to make more money instead of just assuming it? So it takes a while for you to have that conversation, go away and investigate and try some things, come back and have the conversation again, go away and iterate. You're really working back and forth with your boss because here's the real truth. Your boss is not going to give you a raise until you can prove that you produce more value. And you got to prove that in numbers. You can't just say, well, I'm feeling good now. Right. <laughs> right. Or I think I can do it. So it takes about six weeks to really show that you're on that trajectory. Yeah, I love it. So it's real. So, so two things that I'm hearing is number one is a lot of the things here. Many of them are in your direct control as the employee, but some of them aren't. You may That's want right. to have that conversation with your boss, but your boss yeah. may not have availability for a few weeks or whenever that is. Yep. So, certain components are a little outside your control. So you have to give those room. And as you said, you have to have patience for that. That's right. The other thing that I love is, you know, I, I'm a big believer that time is your greatest teacher. And the, this sort of a space-based training or curriculum, I, I love that because you can pick up so many good nuggets along the way. And you can't, you can't bend time. You can't force time. You know, that's not something you can hack. Right. <laughs> Yep. So I love that because, again, you know, so many times we're going through a difficult situation and we look back six weeks later and we realize, oh, you know, I've come a long way or I've learned a lot of valuable lessons along the way. Or, wow, look at who I've become over these six weeks or six days or whatever it is. So I love that approach. I appreciate you putting that in there because, A, it's helpful for me to understand what the trajectory looks like as far as implementation. But, B, I'm a big believer in, in time. So yeah. I love that. You know, time time is one of the, so the tool is called talk. It's a talk tool. And the first one is, it's basically when do you talk to your boss? But the T stands for timing because it absolutely is critical. My 14 year old, sorry, my 17 year old, he's been working at a pizza, a pizza joint for about the last maybe year and a half. And he said to me, oh, it was maybe two months ago. He goes, I think I want to raise. I said, Tyler, Tyler, do you know I literally wrote the book on that? That's awesome. But here's what he does. He goes, I don't need, no, I don't need your help. I got it. I got it. I'm okay. Now he did, this is a, this is an, this is an adorable story. When the first the book first came out, he was uh, maybe 14 or 15 because it originally published in 2016 and he did a book report on my book. Oh, cool. So he, has, he has read it. It's just several years ago. So I just, you know, that experimentation, the enigma ch child, I yeah. just would say, so it, do you, do you think you would talk to your boss tonight? Cause it's the timing cool. and he'd say, well, it's a Friday night. It's really busy. I'm like, Oh, that's really smart. You could <laughs> It's a really great idea to wait for a time when it's not so busy. Or maybe you could even like say, hey, boss, can I talk to you on Wednesday if I come in a little bit early? And he goes, oh, mom, I would never do that. <laughs> so That's it's funny. baby steps. But you're you're absolutely right. Timing, timing is important. And we don't always have control of that. Right. 
Right. I, I thought you were going to say, Jill, that he did a book report and two weeks later, his teacher got a raise. Oh, <laughs> that that would, awesome, right? Okay. Yeah. Now, I have to end the story for you because I didn't, you know, I don't push or prod too much, but I kept slyly asking, Hey, how did that, how did that go? And he'd go, Oh, I forgot. So when, when he finally did ask for the raise and he did, he received the raise. I said, tell me what the conversation was about. Cause right. I'm just so curious. Did he use any of that? And he, he really did use a lot of the tools of yeah. um, osmosis, but he had a conversation. It was a conversation about what else could I do? And do I need to, you know, do I need to be, become a cook? Do I need to do this? And it, it was, um, it was a little endearing because the boss is like, no, Tyler, you're doing a great job. You know, you just keep on getting here on time and uh, you're really valuable to us. But it was uh, it was fun to watch. Him That's when you ask for the raise. That's when you strike. Oh, no. He did. Oh, no. He, he asked did? for the raise. That's right. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And he got it. He Good. also asked for more. This is actually a little story in the book, too. He asked for more than he wanted. That's the strategy too. And the boss, you know, boss was like, well, I can't do this, but I can do this. And he's like, awesome. that's what he really wanted. Awesome. Good. Good for him. That's good. very cool. That's some good negotiation right there. Right. <laughs> well, he's learned from one of the best. So it doesn't surprise me. Awesome. I don't know if he's really let me teach at all, because I have a habit of over teaching, especially kids, right? I'm like, if I literally wrote the book on it, I want to hand it to you on a silver platter. Right. You know what that is? That's pleasing. Yeah. If I told yeah. him every single thing to do. That's not serving him. He has to have his own experiences. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about what you do with leadership. I know that you're involved with EOS, the entrepreneurial yeah. operating system. So some of our audience here may not understand or have heard of EOS before. You, that's really how we met. I'm familiar with it. I've implemented it. That's Big right. fan of you know the system, the philosophy. But can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So you guys, you guys heard in the beginning. I'm a business coach. I coach leadership teams, and really the types of teams that I coach, they're um, they want to grow. They're open, honest, vulnerable. They're not perfect by any means. Um, in fact, sometimes we're just very raw and scrappy and entrepreneurial. But they notice that something's happening. They're hitting a ceiling, and these business owners, these entrepreneurs, they're no longer getting everything they want out of their business. So one tool that I use as a business coach. And the main tool, so about 90% of my time, is spent in implementing the entrepreneurial operating system. It is all right here. It is found in the beautiful pages of this book. Now, I've been professionally trained. I'm a certified EOS implementer, and I've been that way for six years now. So I've had over 600 sessions with these leadership team members, but that's the main tool that I use. And just like the earning advantage, it's full of simple, practical tools that help the leadership team get aligned with their vision so they can get everybody else on board in the company. We, um, we install these really cool tools for discipline and accountability. We call that traction. But then we also make sure this, the flip side of business that we're all very healthy. So we're open, honest, and communicating. We're being on the same page. So if you uh, if you're already running on EOS, the earning advantage is great for you because it's built kind of with the same DNA. But also just uh, for employees, if you've if you've never heard of the entrepreneurial operating system, and that sounded 
hitting the ceiling sounds like the company you're working for. You might also want to get this book. This is called What the Heck is EOS? Oh, look, I have it marked right there. Uh, what the Heck is EOS? This is a super, super simple, quick, like you can read it in about two hours version of this. So an even more simple version, just to see if maybe this is something that um, you could hand to uh, the entrepreneur that you're working for and see if that's a good see if that's a good solution for those companies. Cool. Jill, this is turning into a book club. I've got a ninth book I'd like to recommend. Let's do it. <laughs> no, I'm just overwhelmed, Jill. Come on. I know. I just books, books, books. I, I can go on. I love books. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. I really, really loved um, the school of intentional living. Oh, there you go. Yeah. In fact, when I read it, Sean, it felt like everything that I'm doing for leadership teams to get them operating on a system just to where their businesses are just a well-oiled machine. It felt to me like uh, the school of intentional living was really that operating system for a human being. So thank you. they feel very complimentary. Yeah. Very cool. Complimentary. Cool. And I appreciate you being vulnerable and sharing your stories in that book too. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for the plug. I appreciate that. Oh, I love it. So Jill, where can we find you? Where can we find your book? You know, the best place to find me is a couple of ways, but tractionfirst.com is my website. And from there, you can find links to the book. There's a whole bunch of training videos on there. Um, I'm a big fan in brief. So you can scroll through those videos if you're having a certain type of issue. And I usually have some type of um, tool for you to apply there. But also I'd love to connect with you on LinkedIn. So if you just search Jill Young, Texas, cause that's where I am, I'm in Texas. My name pops right up. I'd love to connect with you there as well. I love all of your LinkedIn engagement, your videos. I mean, you're on there all the time and it's such valuable stuff. I mean, I really appreciate what you're putting out there. It's incredible. Well, thank you. Somebody asked me the other day, they said, Jill, you built this wonderful personal brand. Um, how do you do it? Can I get a 30 minute phone call to you? Can you tell me how you've done it? And I got, you know, I got on the call with them, but I'm like, I don't really, I didn't really have, mm. I don't know. But here's the sentence that came out of my, my mouth. I said, I didn't do it on purpose. I mm. did it with purpose because anything I put on there, I just think, oh, this would be so useful for people. There's a purpose behind it. And I share it. And that's my, <laughs> that's I it. it. Yeah, I love it. You're intentional, right? I'm I love intentional. Yeah. I'm intentional. See, it helps, doesn't it? Living intentionally. <laughs> there you go. <gasps> All right. Give me an aha moment. Oh, oh, there you go. Awesome. This See that? What I am. Intentionality changed my life. It can change yours too. There you go. <laughs> there you go. All right. So, Jill, thank you so much for being on the show today. Oh, this welcome. is so much fun. This is always fun. It is always fun. So based on our conversation, what's one big message and takeaway you'd like to deliver to the audience today? Ooh, ooh, that's good. There's so, there's so much I want to be useful in. Uh, <laughs> based on our conversation today, I'm going to say, um, let's stop assuming things. Mm -hmm. Stop assuming things. We tell stories in our head. We ruminate back here in the back part of our brain and we convince ourselves 
that our boss doesn't want to promote us. We convince ourselves I'm not worth more than this. We convince ourselves I can't make more money because that guy asked for a raise and he didn't get a raise, then I'm not going to get a raise. We mm -hmm. tell ourselves stories. So my, my passionate plea is to just let all of that go, use the tools, and let's stop assuming. Let's ask the real questions, be open and honest, and get on the same page. I love that. I love that. So applicable in business, but also just in the world today across the board. So great. Valuable message. I appreciate that, Jill. Well, thanks again for being on the show. No problem. Thank you. I hope we can do it again soon. Absolutely. All right. Sean here again. Thanks so much for joining us this week. If you like what you heard today, be sure to subscribe to my podcast so you can catch future episodes. Also, go ahead and give it an honest rating so you can let other people know what you thought of the show. Take care and make it a great day.